Welcome. You've tuned into Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today, we're exploring family contracts and karma. You may have brought into your current incarnation both of them from previous lifetimes. We'll also offer you some insights on how they may have been affecting your psychic life and progress on your spiritual path in this lifetime. Many of you might not be familiar with the concept of ever having signed any contracts with any member of your family except some legal ones that you might sign as an adult later on in life, such as having the power of attorney or being named a beneficiary of someone's estate or some other legal situation with your family or members of your family. The family contracts we're addressing today aren't the legal kind on paper, but they are contracts made as souls prior to your birth into the current incarnation. Sound interesting? Soul contracts are made between souls and spirit. No lawyers are involved, although sometimes you might work with your guides and advisors in spirit on some of them. Naturally, we call a family contract on that soul level is a contract that is made between two or more souls that incarnate as family members. This doesn't mean that you have a contract with each and every member of your family necessarily. The one contract that every incarnating soul always makes is with the soul who agrees to take on the role of birth mother to the incoming soul. We call that the soul's birth contract. We've addressed that in a couple of our previous episodes when we explored the soul's pre-birth planning and experience of birth. The consistent part of such a birth contract is one in which the soul who is to be the birth mother for the incoming soul agrees to birth that soul into her current incarnation. Of course, the contract is made on an inner psychic energetic level and not on a physical one. Both the incoming soul and the birth mother-to-be soul have a contract within them which matches frequencies. One aspect of this type of contract is somewhat like tracking device It's like a tracking device each soul carries within itself to find each other when the time comes on earth to do so. I'm sure anyone who has ever made a purchase that needs to be delivered to them received a tracking number from the sender or the carrier for the transport of the merchandise. The sender has the same tracking number as the one who is to receive that particular shipment. That file containing the tracking number has the order or purchase number, among other pieces of identifiable data. A soul contract also contains quite a bit of information pertinent to the contract. 
Also, just as data is stored on a computer hard disk or the online cloud as energy units, so too the soul contract is stored as specific energy units on a psychic or soul energetic level. As you develop your innate psychic ability of clairvoyance, you'll be able to start reading such a contract within a soul's energy space and memory banks to find out exactly what that particular contract says and is about. Just as contracts in the legal world are meant to be binding, as long as they have been correctly and legally executed, not all contracts necessarily get fulfilled. Some contracts can also be legally annulled or, another word for it is, forgiven. Similarly, soul contracts are meant to be binding, but not necessarily enforceable. In the world, there is a letter of the law as well as the spirit of the law or contract. In spirit, there is only, of course, the spirit of the contract. After all, what does the spirit of the law mean? It means that the particular law was put into effect in society to fulfill a certain purpose, sometimes due to specific circumstances of those involved. Even if someone did break the letter of the law, it may be counterproductive or not be in the best interest of those involved or the society in which they live to enforce that law. A judge in such situations may have much more leeway to let the accused free or at least commute the sentence. In a soul contract, there are a variety of circumstances as well as combination of conditions that may determine it best not to fulfill a particular contract as was originally agreed upon. For example, in terms of a birth contract between the incoming soul seeking to be given birth into the world through a particular soul's body and the selected soul to be the birth mother, any any number of things could happen in the birth mother's life that would make getting pregnant and giving birth to a child inappropriate or even dangerous to her or the child or others. Sometimes it may just be in the mind of the potential mother, but if she decides that she is not up to the task, It most likely would be to the benefit of the incoming soul to find an alternative birth mother. Would the soul who decided against following through with the original contract be punished or docked spiritually in some way? Not at all. Unless, of course, she ends up blaming herself and carrying guilt for not fulfilling the letter of the contract. Insofar as what may be seen as the spiritual rights of anyone in relation to birthing, the potential mother always has the final say-so. All too often, however, the selected mother caves into the intense desires and even bullying of the incoming soul that, against her own better judgment, she ends up getting pregnant and giving birth to that incoming soul. Yet it is important for souls in that position of considering motherhood to know with certainty that she has the final say in whether she will accept an incoming soul to provide a body for or not, even if she had a pre-existing contract with that soul. Now, other kinds of soul contracts, many of them may resemble more of an agreement, mutual desire, or consideration between souls rather than binding legal contracts. For example, if the incoming soul is seeking to be raised 
by two specific souls as its parents, although the potential mother-to-be soul can commit to birthing the soul into a body she produces as long as she is physically able to, the potential father-to-be could only agree to doing his best to end up being the father since, for one thing, he wouldn't be able to get pregnant or birth the body for that soul himself. Unlike the potential mother soul, the father soul can't agree to personally provide the incoming soul with the body. Other than having some kind of contract or agreement with the potential parents, the incoming soul can also have agreements with specific members of the family together. Once again, souls could agree to doing that, but circumstances may or may not allow for that. There have been soul agreements made in prior lifetimes together or prior to the current incarnation to be born into the same family this time, but if the parents-to-be decide not to have more than one child or somehow get into a situation where they might not be able to have more children, the incoming souls with such a family agreement may not be able to fulfill it, at least not in the current incarnational cycle. I have personal experience of the soul who I had a contract with to bear as my child, but in this incarnation, by the time that particular soul was ready to incarnate, I was no longer physically able to get pregnant, even if I had chosen to do so. I told the soul about a woman I knew who was truly wanting to bring a child in at the time that he could go to and still be in contact with me. And I knew that if he came in as her child, we'd at least know each other and have contact and communication from time to time. He went for the alternative and immediately, and that woman did have her baby. And how did I know it was him? Because he told me his name. And when that person had that baby, she named the baby the same name. Yeah, first it? and middle name. <laughs> it's it's truly extraordinary, isn't it? How these things get set up in spirit, and how they work here in the world. We talked about another case in a previous episode where we know a mother who gave birth to two of the three souls that had an agreement to be born into the same family for their current incarnation. But the mother found herself in not only a intensely difficult situation, but also a very dangerous one for her children with her then husband and decided against having any more children after she had the first two. The third soul that was to be the sister to the first two of her children had to find a different soul in a different country to be her mother in this incarnation. But the incoming soul had to be born as a son to her instead of as a daughter. So, yes, souls have to be a little flexible and not get themselves stuck in a rigid plan. Uh, You have to have plan B (laughs) and sometimes plan C. And that doesn't mean there are any of the less uh, important incarnations. Not at all. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. No matter what happens, it's going to be exactly correct. This world is an ever-changing one. Unlike spirit that is eternal, infinite, and therefore never changing. I also taught a young couple years ago who discussed at length the possibility of having children when they were my students. Uh, they were, you know, young, early 20s at that point. 
The husband wasn't too sure about having children, at least at that time. The wife was absolutely certain that she not only wanted children, but she wanted several. <laughs> it was something to watch and hear them discuss and often argue, uh, right, right, in you know before class and during breaks and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was an ongoing. It was an ongoing discussion, uh, 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 like a soap opera, <laughs> and uh, to try to decide which way they were going to go. And the f husband finally agreed that, yes, he'd like to have a child, but just one child, no more than that. And after weeks of talking about it, the couple finally came to an agreement that they were both happy with, and they decided, okay, yes, we'll have one child. Almost immediately after they came to the agreement, well, she got pregnant. <laughs> and a little bit later on, <laughs> they discovered they were to have triplets. <laughs> oh, that was, I, I, I was in a way fortunate <laughs> to, to be privy to that because the phone call came in <laughs> with the test results <laughs> while they were uh, waiting to get in class, you know, and, and uh, I happened to be right there when they got the phone call. <laughs> and uh, the reaction was uh, uh, mixed, to be sure, <laughs> from everything from agony to the ecstasy and, and back and forth. But uh, not only the father-to-be, but even the mother-to-be was overwhelmed. If anything, besides the agony and the ecstasy of the, of the, of the news that they're going to have triplets, they were both just the idea of it just overwhelmed them. <laughs> so it became a really very incredible opportunity for each of them as my students to to work through that 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 was that was such a great experience yes challenging but very great experience for them to work through all that stuff and and be able to practice all they were learning to do that so for those of us who were never involved in being parents to triplets. <laughs> that's most people. Yeah, that's of most of us. <laughs> Their situation had a very, very funny side to it. And, and I was aware that they had to have triplets because they had decided to have only one child. The mother's soul contract was with three souls, but not only that, those three souls had very, very strong agreement between them that they had to be born, you know, close together, not as triplets necessarily, but at the, at the, the agreement was they had to be in the same family, right? And um, so when given the ultimatum as far as the incoming souls were concerned, that there's going to be only one shot at this <laughs> to be in, in this particular family. Instead of sometimes when that happens and there's like three souls waiting in line to be born into a particular family, they, they'll flip a coin, they'll, they'll decide, you know, which is most important. And they'll, one of them will come forward and say, okay, so if it's just going to be one of us, I'll come in. And then the other two go and find other parents. 
But in this case, the, the three of them said, wait a minute, no, we have to be together this lifetime in the same, we have to grow up together. That's really important. That's a major part of their plan. And that could have been done as siblings, you know, two, three years apart, but, but they couldn't do it uh, otherwise. So what they did, <laughs> guess what? They came in as not only as triplets, but <laughs> they came in as three identical boy triplets. Well, the other funny part, well, funny for me and some of the other uh, bystanders, were that the when the parents finally agreed after, you know, a couple months at least of, of discussion, agreed just to have one child between the two of them, they both had hoped for a girl. <laughs> so what do they say about karma? <laughs> anyway, speak, speaking of karma in relationship to family, yes, this was the case of both soul agreements and contracts as well as karmic cycles happening between souls. Even though the soul who agreed to be an incoming soul's birth mother has, has the final say-so in whether she will follow through with that birth contract or not, sometimes there are also karmic cycles that play heavily in the family relationship, the family situation as well. Well, in this couple's and the three incoming souls situation, both were there. The not only the birth contract and and some of the contract agreements between various souls, but also on top of that, uh, a few karmic cycles that needed to be completed between all five of them, the parents and the three kids. Well, believe it or not, we're already at our first break. So this is the time when we tell you a little bit about things we have going on. So we wanted to invite you to join us for our extra special first four teleclass plus one bonus Zoom session weekend event of 2022. We offer this weekend event to help you create the energy for your new year so that you can enjoy your well-being, success, and spiritual awakening and growth. So please save the dates. We don't have a title yet, but we will. Uh, the dates are Saturday January 8th and Sunday, January 9th. We will be offering four teleclasses and a bonus Zoom Q&A social during the weekend to help you look at the road ahead, have fun making predictions for yourself, and to set the energy of the year for you to live your best year yet. We'll post all the details in our website events calendar for January 2022 as well as in our upcoming newsletters and our, on our social media pages. For the full write-up and details or to sign up, go to the January 2022 events calendar section. It's not up yet, but it will be. Um, on our website, michaeltamora.com, or you can always call our office at one 926 2650 weekdays during normal business hours specific time, and speak with our fabulous assistant, Noel, who will take care of you. When we return in just a bit, we'll continue with family contracts and karma. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow. Beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. We've been exploring how the family contracts you have with some members of your family and any unresolved karma you still have with any of them might impact your psychic life and your spiritual path. So we'll continue with the topic. Michael was talking about the couple with the triplets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this was many, many, you know, like 40, probably about 40 years ago now. And uh, <laughs> uh, if you were with us uh, before the break, you know, I was talking about this young couple that discussed for quite a while whether to have any children or not. And then they finally decided, okay, they'll settle on having one child. That's it. And, and But the, the incoming contract, uh, there were three souls that were had a contract with the mother-to-be to come in, but... Each of them had the contract with the mother, but together between the three of them, they had contracts with each other that they had to be together in the same family in the same lifetime and close enough together. They could be, you know, two, three years apart in age, but they had to be like that in the same family. And uh, so when when they got the ultimatum that, oh, yeah. They're going to, the three of them are only going to have one shot at this. So the only way they could do it is coming in as a, a triplet. That was <clears throat> hilarious for us bystanders, but, but not for the couple. The couple, yeah, it was just. It was tough. Their eyes were rolling. And I remember one of the, one of the gifts we gave them was a year's uh, diaper service. Do you know <laughs> when you have triplets, how many types? And this was not the days of pampers. This was the days of, you know, the kind you wash and everything and dry. And, oh, my goodness. 
So anyway, they said that was one of the things that saved them. But um, when all of this was going on, I was their teacher nearly, yeah, about 40 years ago. And I heard just like, what was it, two to three years ago, I out of the blue, the mother uh, of these three kids uh, called me up. And um, uh, so we got to catch up a little bit, and, and it was phenomenal, f- fascinating what's been happening. Well, how the the triplets turned out, they're, they're now in their, well, closer to, ago, yeah, closer to late 30s. Yeah. And how everyone's lives in that family turned out could only have been arranged through very strong agreements, contracts, commitment, and even karmic resolutions. And so her mother, the the mother told me, you know, briefly kind of how that all panned out. And each of the sons grew up to be highly respected, top-level professionals in their own very diverse fields of endeavor. One became a foremost scholar of the Torah, another a top-notch ER trauma surgeon in a major hospital, and the third became the go-to environmental expert consultant sought out by leaders of governments and industries internationally, flying all over the world to meet with people to solve environmental problems. And the parents, after leading their own successful careers, are now living semi-off the grid, so to speak, producing specialized all-organic health food made from their own organic produce. And miraculously, they all not only survived the challenging family-raising triplets situation, but thrived in a huge way. And the mother told me in this conversation that, that she and her husband would not have been able to even survive having identical hyperactive, genius triplet boys growing up (laughs) had it not been for all that they learned on the psychic and spiritual end of things. So as Shakespeare said, well, all's well that ends well. (laughs) Family karma is any kind of karmic cycle that needs to be completed between two or more souls. Sometimes the karma is directly related to having a familial relationship. For example, in a prior lifetime, two souls were in a romantic relationship with each other. And let's say that the woman in the pair was from a powerful and wealthy family who didn't approve of her relationship to the man. Well, at first, she fought her family because she truly wished to be with the man. But her family finally wore her down to where she believed that she would not, you know, they would, her family wouldn't let her uh, be with the man she loved, even if she just eloped and, you know, escaped and, and, uh, went into witness protection. (laughs) Her powerful family would use its influence to find her and make sure she had no peace in her relationship with that man. So she decided to give up her fight and let her partner be free from her family as well. Her partner, however, didn't see it that way and felt she betrayed him as she chose her family over him. He swore he would never forgive her and the relationship was pretty much destroyed. So in a sense, 
the the family control manipulation worked uh, as far as the family was concerned. They made sure she and this guy didn't get together. But that created a karmic cycle between them that they did not resolve during that shared lifetime because they completely broke up and, you know, never got back in communication. Then in the next incarnation, when the two of them came together in the same period of time, they came together, <laughs> they came in together in that lifetime as siblings in another wealthy, powerful, and influential family. And this time, one of the lessons that the soul who swore never to forgive the other soul through you know, a lot of misunderstanding was to understand the influence that such a kind of family could have on one or all of the children. He experienced what his previous partner and now sister went through in that prior lifetime together. And of course, you know, his sister uh, as a soul had experience of that already. So she was able to help guide him in his experience of, wow, what is this, you know, total control and everything like that. And, and now she knew how to navigate through that type of a family and that type of family politics and uh, dynamics. So she helped him out a, a great deal and they were very close. So gradually he gained enough experience and wisdom to start to forgive her of what he previously blamed her for. Of course, I'm oversimplifying everything to illustrate one kind of family-based karma that requires the family dynamics in order to work out effectively. Other family-based karmic cycles don't have to be resolved necessarily in a, another family situation. But it just so happens that the two souls involved in that karma born into the same family or end up members of the same family by marriage or adoption or by some other relationship. The main thing is that karma between souls brings those particular souls together in their concurrent incarnation to create the opportunity for healing and resolution of the karma. There can also be the kind of mutual agreement between two souls made during a prior lifetime together to continue the great or productive relationship in a subsequent lifetime. It's like two good friends promising each other to get back together soon to continue the good work they're doing. Depending on many factors for each of the souls, sometimes being together from an early age as siblings in the same family may provide the best opportunity for an early start for working together as partners. Those are the, not the kind of karma that two souls have to resolve having created division between them, but they are agreements made willingly to get together to do something together. It's more agreement by choice, not a karmic necessity. If the two souls pick the optimal type of relationship to get into in such a lifetime, they'll have the best chance for greater success. Sibling, <clears throat> sibling rivalry is a common experience between certain siblings and many families. Some of it is just a bit of the nature of the sibling relationship. 
But most of it comes from the two souls so often having competition and jealousy, karma, remaining from a prior lifetime when they were together and created some of this you know, competition, jealousy, karmic cycles, so that they had to work it out between them. And one way to do it is by being siblings in the same family. <laughs> then, then you can't easily, especially when you're growing up, you can't easily get away from each other, right? You still have to come home and have dinner or sleep together, you know, like that under the same roof. So it's, you'll, you'll be put together much more uh, frequently and regularly than if you're even next door neighbors or living in different countries. So growing up together in the same family provides ample opportunities to get to know each other better and gain more understanding of what it, what makes each one be or act in the way he or she does. Such deeper understanding goes a long way to becoming willing to forgive the other and yourself for something you may have blamed the other or yourself for doing in a prior lifetime. After all, how long would you be able to hold a grudge of some sort against another when you're living constantly under the same roof? At least during the growing up times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very interesting because sometimes there will be siblings who just don't connect at all, but their main connection is with their mother or with their father or both of them. So one of the things I've seen in family karmic relationships are often long-term dramas that go on between two or more people in a family and it's difficult I know some of you have families that you absolutely love but some of you have families where you kind of asked asked the question what was I thinking when I picked them as my parents and it wasn't <laughs> or you have a family where uh, the two or three siblings are really close and then the other one is like everybody's going uh who brought, which stork brought that one? <laughs> we used to have a joke in the 1960s about uh, that one must be the child of the TV repairman. <laughs> but um, it's very, very interesting family dynamics. You know, there's a lot of factors, you know, environmental factors and financial factors and, and all that kind of stuff, stresses that the parents are under. But these are all the pressure cookings, if you will, that that make up our challenges in life so that we can grow. And uh, difficult, seemingly difficult sibling or even uh, child and parent relationships are part of that important growth. And even those of you that came in through one mother and were immediately handed over to another set of parents, your contract is much more with that other set of parents, and but you were looking for the genetic uh, makeup, if you will, of the original birth mother, or she was the one that was willing to let you come through. Um, and it is so very interesting because sometimes if there are two or three children and you have a difficult time with one and to the point of not wanting to come to Christmas dinners or holiday dinners and so on, you know, it's maybe time to just look within yourself about your side of that and start to be able to be aware, even if you don't know what the past is. The, you know, Michael used that wonderful example of 
what happens with a couple when, when things don't go right. You know, they can't get together because of family interference. And so uh, one of the couple have, has to come and experience that to see what the other person had to go through. And because we go through the river of forgetfulness when we're born, we don't always remember these things. These things it just uh, plays out. Yeah, and and we don't necessarily have to have that conscious memory of of um, uh, oh yes, we were together in this lifetime, and you are my wife or sister or brother or whatever. You don't have to know that, but you definitely carry all that information in your soul. And so then when you're living, things naturally happen, even if you're not aware of it and you don't know why it's happening. Uh, they happen to give you the opportunity to experience, oh, yeah. Okay, what am I going to do with this experience? I'm having a really big, intense reaction to this. Why am I getting so angry at this person I don't hardly even know? <laughs> and and uh, things of that nature. And um as you start to work that out within yourself, you start to work out the karma, even if you don't know it's karmic. But as you, as a soul grows and, and advances in, in its growth and development, ah, pretty soon you start to have that awareness of karma. Yes, and another level of family contracts is some people, for those of you who are mothers and fathers, whose child came in, got raised by you, and left to go in their life and, and really don't have a lot to do with you except maybe for uh, checking in during holidays or something like that, please know that that's your agreement with that being. So for those mothers who are looking to bring in an incoming soul, if you want to have a close family relationship where your children are living near you after they grow up, you might want to ask for that when you're calling in that soul for your uh, next birth experience. It's so interesting to watch, uh, you know, how attached a person is to their family or not. And either way, if you recognize sometimes there's karma and sometimes there's you'll be karma-free for a while with your relationships, but certain issues come up over and over again. Well, our second break is coming right up, and I wanted to remind you that Michael's award-winning book, You Are the Answer, makes a wonderful gift for anyone seeking their soul purpose and profound information about their spiritual path. It's available from Amazon as well as through our office. Also, for any of you who would like to go further on your spiritual path, self-healing, and or psychic development, we have all kinds of teleclasses, courses, all-day seminars, and retreats available to purchase and download. You can make any of them a great gift for yourself. You can find many of the titles and descriptions by clicking on the download audio tab in the events menu section of our website, michaeltamora.com, or by calling our office and speaking with our assistant, Noel at 530-926-2650. I wanted to say one more thing about Michael's book. Um, if you call our office for the book, um, you can get it personally signed to you or the person you're buying the gift for, the book gift, and uh, we can mail it directly to that person, and I take care of that. So I promise you I will get them out and on time. 
In just a couple of minutes, we'll continue to explore family contracts and karma. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Wonderful to have you back. Today we've been looking at family contracts and karma. It's important to address how various kinds of contracts you make prior to incarnation with souls who will become members of your family affect your psychic life and spiritual path. Also, how much of what you experience with various members of your family have more to do with unfinished karmic cycles you might have with them. Let's continue with our inquiries. Well, one of the questions in general that I'd like to speak about is uh, what kinds of family karma have you noticed affecting you? No, I'm sorry. In general, what do you see people's family karma affecting their, how do you see people's family's karma affecting their inner psychic lives? I'll, I'll get it out there. So, you know, since that's part of the title, that's really important. Um, we had uh a student down when we were working in Anaheim who came to us with her two children and the the younger brother it was his older sister and a younger brother and the younger brother's question was why is my sister so angry at me all the time and michael corrected him it really was not that she was angry at him she was just angry. She came in to, to work out some issues, not only with her family, but karmic issues with a lot of people in relationship to who she was. And, um, you know, because we've been doing this so long, it's been really amazing to watch families grow and how they resolve these things. Well, in the case of this young man, his main lesson with her was how to 
let's say, not take personally when somebody's nature is that they're angry or that they're working on something inside of themselves so deeply that they tend to project it on everyone around them. And so his growth would be to learn to be, we've talked about this before, body of glass, not to let her anger affect him even when it was being directed at him. In other words, you know, when you have a challenging family member, if you react the same way every time that family member does the same behavior over and over and over again, you're not you're just going to get the same result over and over again. So being able to find your creative, your inner creative uh, place and coming up with different ideas on how to approach or work with that family member rather than just avoiding them altogether. And, you know, I was also uh, looking at situations that often happen that's both contract and karmic related in, in terms of family. But these are not the family so much that you're born into kind of family, but the family you may wish to create, you know, which which is you have a partner, life partner, and, and you have children. But in my many years of teaching spiritual seekers and those who are awakening a lot more, I notice there's been almost a disproportionate number of women uh, who didn't have children or couldn't have children or whatever. And for some reason, they, they ended up not having children. And some of them also, because they didn't have or couldn't have somehow a partner. Hmm. And so many of them were were very, oh, went through periods of unhappiness of, you know, gee, it would be so nice to have a real life partner and, and, or, and raise a family and things like that. Well, it's an interesting thing because this has happened many times in many different situations over, over history where when we are in a particular time of spiritual growth, intense spiritual growth and more uh, global type transformation process and evolution of humanity, there's always a group of souls or several, many groups of souls that, that get together for the explicit purpose of furthering this awakening process. And those of you who are listening to our shows regularly, many of you are very much involved in that. And that's why you've always been interested in not only spirituality and psychic development and your, your own and healing, but interested in seeing more of humanity wake up and, and get well in many different ways. And so if you're one of those people looking at this and gee how come you know all my uh, friends I grew up with in high school and college are married and have children blah 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 and I don't and and, and you might feel like some of you 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 know you deliberately chose not to have that to make your life simpler but others of you might have wanted it and just hasn't happened 
Well, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it has to do with the both karmic and agreement, uh, soul agreement levels, where if you're very strongly involved in your on your spiritual path, and especially that path uh, relates to helping other people in their spiritual path as healers and teachers and guides and counselors, all, a variety of different roles that could be played in, in that process, you may have decided that, oh, it's really not the time. I want to concentrate on that as a soul. Uh, I want to concentrate that on that and dedicate my life to that. So it's not a place, you know, to bring in children uh, because that's that's takes a quite a big commitment and and attention. And some some of you decide that's going to be part of your path to do that. Others of you decided that no, I'd rather just go it alone and so there's not any obligations or commitments and and I I won't have to feel responsible and guilty that I'm not putting all my attention on my family or whatever. So these are these are kinds of considerations that that come up in the soul's level prior to incarnation and especially during incarnations when you know there's going to be a lot of strife there's going to be in the world not necessarily in your own life but in the world and um, many of you were around in various times in history where there were there was a big transformative process going on whether it was a time of since we're getting close to christmas time when jesus was around and teaching and hey he was considered a revolutionary and, you know, anti-king uh, and all that kind of stuff. Anti-establishment. Anti-establishment. <laughs> <laughs> Leader of a cult. All those kinds of things were going on. And those of us who were incarnated during that time period knew that's the way it was going to be. We, Raphael mentioned the river of forgetfulness when soul incarnates. Uh, generally, we decide to forget a lot of that so that we could be in the present and live life like this is the first time. Focus our lessons yeah. for this lifetime. Instead of knowing, okay, here, next, uh, when I turn left on that corner, next thing I'm going to bump into this person and they're going to yell at me, I'm going to be prepared for that. No, you have to be kind of spontaneous and, and practice. Oh, yeah, when you get yelled at, you have a certain kind of reaction, but you don't act on that reaction. Oh, you're growing, you're maturing, you're, you're developing, you're, you're practicing your lessons and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of reasons that we choose not to remember too much or for some souls, much at all. But again, that, that uh, information and memory is, is in you and it, it affects you. So we, we know in that time period, it was gonna be really rough especially after uh, our teacher leader got crucified and, you know, we're just barely trying to get it together and everything. So a lot of the time in, in that lifetime, the women, this is a thing that's not talked about a lot in, in history, but Jesus had just as many 
or even more women disciples uh, at a pretty high level that, than he did men. And so we're all going through these difficulties, but women had that extra level of, well, if you have children in that type of a situation, and especially at that time, it was going to be extremely difficult, right? So uh, many of the souls who incarnated in that lifetime uh, at a pretty advanced level of soul development chose in coming in, they already decided as much as they love children, as much as they love family, they decided not to have that. Some of them decided not to have a relationship partner, which was very difficult at that time. Everybody expects you. You have to, right? Some culture. Yeah. You have to get married and you have to have a child and so on and so forth. But even against that, they said, well, and some of them set it up so that they couldn't have children. At least that's kind of a built-in, you know, you don't have to explain it to everybody. Well, sorry, I just can't have one. And so there's all kinds of stuff that goes on in the background on a soul level like that. So when, if you're in, ever in that position, take a look at that and, and don't be so hard on yourself. It's not necessarily because you're incompetent or you're not good enough or, you know, nobody loves you. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. It's, it's just a choice you make, especially the stronger of a soul that you are. And the more dedicated you are to not only your spiritual growth, but what you're here to do in this world in relationship to others. And uh, so that comes in, in in the deciding of what kind of contracts, what kind of agreements you make with other souls in terms of families that you may create or not. And so then in those situations, you might find that, oh, you have a different kind of a family you create with souls. They're not biological families. And some of you might have, you might be uh, educators of children. And so it's like you have, you're, you're a mother or parent father to, to many children uh, instead of just a few. In fact, I knew that when I was <laughs> nine years old, I, I announced that when I grow up, I'm going to have children all over the world. <laughs> and of course, growing up in a Japanese family, everybody just got really quiet. Yeah, <laughs> nobody said anything. <laughs> I want to make one more quick comment before we have our final announcements, and that is, how do you fulfill a family contract? And that is, however you go about this, it always boils down to forgiving that family member. And some of you wait until that family member is on their deathbed, you know, better late than never. But, you know, you can work on it way before then, even if you have a very hard time with that person throughout the course of your life. Forgiveness is the way out of karma. Yep. We're coming to the end of our show for today, and we are so grateful that you joined us. Be sure to join us again next Wednesday for our Just Before Christmas episode, Birthing the Christ and Healing from Family Contracts. Find out more about what the Christ is, how the Christ is within everyone, and how birthing that Christ within you can help you heal from all manners of conflicts and divide you, that divide you, including in your relationships with your family. Until then, 
Be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth. 